the idea of my career has like all of these ingredients and I took like one ingredient, which is like, what if this was funny and you drop it in? Like, I think thinking about passion projects, side projects in that sense where it's like, you don't need it to be this like massive shift or it's like, oh, I'm going to go become a professional basket weaver. It's like, if you, if you enjoy what you do for work somewhat, or if there's a component of what you enjoy doing for work, identify the components that you don't like and try to remove those. Or if you can't identify things that you do like and see if you can basically insert them, right? So it's yeah. like, I'm a big comedy fan outside of all of this. And so it's like, what if I just like did that in this instance? Um, and then you just pulled the thread. Uh, welcome to another episode of No Investment Advice. We've got an NIA gang here together. Jack Butcher, Trunk fan, Bilal Zaidi with a very special guest, Soren Iverson. Welcome to the show, mate. Hey, thanks for having me on. Good to see you guys. Welcome, man. I know, Jack, you two have already done, you guys have met in real life. You've done the whole, you're doxxed, fully doxxed out here. Yeah. We have indeed, man. Internet associates for a few years now, Soren and I. Associates. <laughs> Can we get a little bit of background? We need to, like you guys yeah. are like design gurus here. So for exactly. the listeners that are unfamiliar with Soren's uh, work, well, first of all, if you've been on the internet for the past six months, you've seen Soren's work. He takes like the most popular apps in the world and just totally satirizes them. Like, wait, Blah, can we just pull one example for the yeah, one person? Yeah, we're going to go through know. some of the greatest hits okay. in a second, but... So, so but Soren, just uh, yeah, so a quick background, Soren. Uh, can you just give an idea of uh, what you're doing right now? And Yeah, uh, yeah. So people mostly know me on the internet for the satirical app stuff. I'm a designer by trade, been doing it for like 10 years now. Started out more like graphic design stuff and then more recently product design stuff anywhere from startups to like square cash up um everything in between and now you design laughs laughs yeah, for the internet yeah. community i'm <laughs> optimizing for chuckles there all right we here go. we go here's the first one this was today's post right this okay. was today's. Is today yeah this is incredible i mean for just a lot of people will be listening so we just want to give them a sense of the visual because it's we always do a meme in a week and most people are only listening but yeah how would you describe this one here soren yeah, so when you're using Tinder at times, there's a service called Tinder Gold, which they will upsell you on if you like run out of matches or something. I don't know. I've been married for a couple of years, so I thankfully am not an active user, but you tap on the upgrade and then there's a modal and typically it's like get more matches or whatever. But in this instance, you can look at the potential match and preview your future child. So we have... The, the myself on the the left and then my potential match on the right and then in the middle there's a infant emoji Ooh, with a question who's this mark person? i was who's gonna it? say is this a, an ai yeah. picture is this your that's, actual wife that's, an, that's no i would not i would not put my wife in the concept <laughs> um no this is just a random unsplash photo 99 percent of the time i use ai generated photos because i don't want to like put people on blast in, in weird situations Bro, you but... don't want that legal you don't want that that paperwork coming to your door indicted uh, right? that, you don't need that. that actually there's a <laughs> i have a funny story about that early on um but we can maybe talk about no, that no, hey, hold on a second let's do this so uh, i want to say one thing so block can you pull the next one well yeah. for the listeners because again majority of listeners but you do have a template right can you because like when i started seeing them First of all, I've done really hacky like photoshops in my day. And like yeah. when you start doing it, I'm like, 
damn it like the, the bar is so high <laughs> someone's now, doing I it can't properly, get away yeah, yeah. with like these hacky like microsoft paint jobs i'm doing but like your template uh, tell me if this is how you think of it is you know it's very simple but it uh, the vv is the visualized value aesthetic right is like have the template people understand it the jokes built in right so you typically have the name of the app and then you'll usually go but with this feature so immediately yeah. the joke's already set up right it's like it's like uh uber but with this ridiculous feature that i'm sure people on their product team have thought about like you actually walk through how you set up kind of the yeah. joke so it's interesting because i think it started as that which was x product but with y feature and i noticed probably a couple weeks in back in january that other people picked up on that formula and then they started doing the same thing and i was like okay that's i i love that other people were doing something similar but i wanted to try to kind of entrench my own position and so i basically evolved past the x but y into almost introducing it as like a new feature right um and in terms of the visual design i think early on it was a lot of work because I was like taking screenshots, but also like figuring out, okay, Uber has this custom typeface. I have to use that or this other company uses this. Like there's a free alternative that's like relatively similar and then you have to like pattern match the sizing. But now I basically have micro design systems of LinkedIn, Tinder, Spotify. Like I have enough backlog info or like design artifacts that I can like pull those in. It's like, okay, I had this row widget that I used in Uber and I can like change the styling and then like put it in this view on LinkedIn, right? So it's a design system in the non-traditional sense. Love All right, it. so this one was an OG one, right? This so, is a classic yeah. DoorDash byte request. Yeah. So byte was request this a received. feature? But it's just, this, this, this is a new feature because there's no but here, but was this, which phase was this one in? So for yeah. the listeners, uh, uh, sorry, sorry, I was going to say like for the listeners, this is a, it's on DoorDash, it's a notification and uh, your DoorDash delivery person asks if they can have a bite of your food, which is sick. <laughs> so good. <laughs> yeah. So we've all so, yeah. So there's actually pre, pre that concept, there was, a meme which was like a, a very like cursed looking photo of like a person holding a bitten piece of chicken and it was in a text message thread and it was like i take a bite and it was like someone talking to their doordash driver or something but it was like deep on reddit and i was like okay we know this is happening so let's just like normalize it and make it a feature and then if someone's like hey can i have some of your fries um that one i remember we posted that uh um, separately I'm like I'm in a band and we're on tour and I like posted it put my phone down and then like a minute later it had like a thousand likes and I was like oh man we're going parabolic on this one it was I think those message or notification memes are so powerful because the cognitive lift is really low because like a really viral thing you want it to be instantly parsable and so like everyone knows what headspace to be in when they see a notification. Everyone's familiar with the DoorDash notification. And all it is is like, can I have some fries? It's like, absolutely not. So I think there's a lot of layers to making something that will go like crazy viral versus something that will maybe pop off within like a niche audience. Can we actually 
listen, you're heading us right down where we need to go right now. All so right. when you were saying the parse, but the the legibility is something Jack always talks about too, mm-hmm. right? Like I think, uh, tell me if you uh, or any of you guys agree with this. The, one of the canonical examples is that stupid Apple text feature, right? Because everybody's gotten that. And if you post it, it's the running joke is it's a guaranteed 10,000 like banger. Anybody oh, post that this is the best Apple feature, which is the automatic 2FA. I, I and you go used by, to lined right? up as well, which was the iMessage one. So yeah, <laughs> on the same page. But so, yeah. Uh, but I'll read this one up. Yeah, this is uh, iMessage Honest ETA. And uh, Cynthia's on her way or asking about ETA and said, see you then. How far away are you? And they said five minutes, but then there's a little notification that says, according to Apple Maps, Cynthia is still at her house, 21 minutes away, which is also hilarious. Yeah, I mean, we there's so many layers to this, man. It's so good. Because like Let's I love the way you described, you described like the, the template. Everyone already knows yeah. that notification, but then in the back of our minds, we also know everyone, we've sent an ETA where we're yeah. obviously not on time. And so, yeah, it's brilliant, man. So good. Yeah. So while you walk I, through the layers, walk through the layers, dude. Give us, on, give us all the alpha on, on virality. Oh man, that's uh, how much time do you have? I think like, time. it's it's interesting, right? Because like iMessage is such a universal form factor. So it's like if you're if you're tapping into something that people are like, I know what to expect here, and then it's not like, oh, I'm redesigning this whole thing. It's like I'm setting the con. I'm basically writing the joke in the chat view, and then you add one sentence that. I think a lot of my work is just like exposing people, right? Because there's like, <laughs> there's a lot of assumptions. And I think when you like, there's, it's comedy, right? So the more relatable situation, which is like, everyone's been in a situation where like, they have this friend that's perpetually late. And then they're like, I'm on my way. And they're like, I know you're not on your way. But like, to make that something that is like, codifiably not true or true, um, is something that tech can do. And so I think by doing that and just slightly, slightly changing what's already there or finding ways to quote unquote, intelligently integrate other tech like Apple maps, right? It's like you're playing on the kind of frustration um, of the people have with tech just in general. It's like, like people don't like the fact that their phone's watching them all the time, but it is. So it's like, let's just call it what it is and deal with it. Um, so I think those are some of the layers here, but the iMessage one is just like an infinite canvas. Cause you can just riff on that in so many different ways. Um, Talking of which we have a couple oh, more. So. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how many we want to go through, but these were a few. Well, this well, one was, we cap off with this one, the iMessage polygraph, polygraph feature. feature. Yeah. 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 This one was good. I mean, the, the idea of like the delivered widget or read at whatever time is just something that you can change to basically communicate any number of things. Like it could say, oh yeah, this person's heart rate spiked based on Apple health data. They're probably lying. Um, another one that this is actually the real alpha is going to get posted in a couple of weeks while I'm on holiday is it shows what they save your contact name as. So it's like, <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, so it, it's just like, good. it's just like, it's a punchline that you just, you can just kind of keep changing. Right. And then it's just a matter of like designing the conversation to, to lead up to that. Um, I think you also don't have probably my most popular one pulled up but I can describe it. And 
it was like i made it it was kind of like chef's kiss like the perfect meme um iMessage preview that shows the length of the message that they're writing that was and so, a great so, one. I remember that one. Yeah. So it's oh, like yeah, I think I had that somewhere. Yeah. I might have got rid of it now. Yeah. Just like, was like a good sequence of dots, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. well, yeah. normally it's like, like yeah. nor- normally it's like, oh my gosh, someone's typing something. It's just the three dots, right? But it's like you're messaging. I think Kaylee is this like figure that I've architected into this like broader Unsplash. cinematic universe. Yeah. Unsplash. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I have like I have like re- repeat characters now, and Kaylee's one of them. And so it was like I texted Kaylee in this world, and I was like, "Is everything okay?" And then it's just a wall of thoughts. <laughs> um, yeah. No, well, the classic for that line in the in, if you go old school meme is uh, when you ask your wife, hey, "Is everything okay?" She goes, "Yes." Oh, actually, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, everything's fine. But wait, wait a second, there's one thing. Wait, so sort of, I, I kind of want to jack to you guys to dabble just in general. But before that, I had to ask because this was something that we had chat uh, me and the other guys uh, before you came on uh, or mentioned. It was like, have people from these companies and these various app creators hit you up? So uh, I've had a lot of a lot of people that are like, oh, you do you like want to work on this thing? Or like a lot of startup founders are like, oh, I'm building I'm building this, and I'm like don't or like do it but differently <laughs> right and then i've had uh some interactions with like i did the instagram feature to pay to undo a deep like and apparently that was like maybe going to get built but like not have the paid tier for it i don't know um like an engineering manager was like hey i work at insta can i like pitch this i was like sure man so i've had a few instances like that um and then I did the Uber hotbox option. Um, <laughs> and a, a friend texted me, he was like, yo, did you see this? And Reuters had to do a fact check that Uber is not offering oh, yeah. a hotbox feature. Um, so yeah, I don't think that counts as like direct communication, but um, it's been, it's you been know, all over the board. People are snatching your idea. You know, the, the UX oh, person yeah. DoorDash is going into meetings like, guys, is this a revenue opportunity? Yeah. Well, today, today there's like the guys like I designed the Tinder gold paywalls and I'm mad. I didn't think about this. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, now you and Jack talk about uh your your previous dalliances and the, this VV world. Like, how did you guys meet up? And what are some design stuff that we chat about that uh you could uh, share with the audience? Oh man. Um, so I found out about Jack through Micah Carroll, who was also in VV back in 2020. And then I did the whole like VV university thing. Um, and then it was interesting. Cause like, I, I didn't like necessarily set up like want to build like a business or like a, a huge thing. I just have kind of been not throwing stuff against the wall. It sounds like a lax level of intentionality. I think like I enjoy working as a designer and I'm not trying to like go out and build some huge like business for myself right now. Um, But what I did notice through this like most current line of work is that I think similar to how like Jack's early body of visualizations like hit and resonated really well with a specific audience. And then there was like a product set that aligned with that audience. I 
mid-flight realized that there was an audience for my work that was like very interested and I started getting in February or March people were requesting in comments to things like hey you should make a book and I was like why would I make a book about memes and that those requests continued to the point where people were DMing me telling me that they would give me money for the book that I hadn't made any public comments on making um so I just figured it out. I made it and then self-published, sold over a thousand copies now, but it was kind of the like building in public and like updating people on your journey. And like, I think for, for some people, they are able to formulate a plan and then execute towards that plan and then iterate on it in as they go. And I think for myself, the path was more like, iterate on things, find a thing that people respond positively to, and then continue to go down that rabbit hole. And then eventually you will find ways to productize it. Right. And I think I definitely could create like more businesses on top of this thing. Um, so it's like the, the body of work I'm calling it. Like, can you imagine just the title of the book? it's like oh you can make a course called it you can imagine right um there's like kind of all these different ways that you could take it i think for right now i am more focused on just like putting good out and like yes every once in a while people will be like oh i want you to like make a product and you can make some revenue on it but i'm not in my current state like wanting to become like a person that's like making courses and stuff. I also think like it's very difficult. Like a lot of the principles of communicating and design are things that Jack actually teaches indirectly with VV. Um, just putting a satirical lens on it is a very weird approach that I don't think most people would do. <laughs> and that stuff's hard to teach too. Like the like yeah. that 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 very unique voice. I was going to ask you to tee up some of your fine art background too, because I think that yeah. is like a differentiator and almost the opposite of, um, you know, how a lot of people, well, not the opposite necessarily, but when we met in person and talked about your background, this idea of, you know, I view this stuff as art that kind of is on the, bleeding edge of being accepted as art you know it's like yeah. it's a very very cutting social commentary that in my mind if you filled a physical space with this stuff and people went in to have an experience it would be it would create incredible conversations reactions and that's what art is supposed to do and that's you know if you could speak a little bit about your background yeah. in that world i think that would be good context too yeah i i Good, good call out. So I studied both business and art in university. And part of the art program that I went through was you had to put on basically a thesis exhibition, which was a body of work, right? And I think a lot of designers just use that as like, oh, I'm going to go do like photo stuff, or I'm going to go do, you know, they're trying to like map it towards what they're going to do for their full-time work. Maybe I should have done that, but I didn't. And here we are. Um, the concept I started like pulling at was like, what if, and this is 20, this was 2016, 2017 for context, but I was noticing that from like 2010 
2016, the rate of decay of viral content had like exponentially increased. So like Trollface, when like 2007 or whatever, was a meme that lived for like three years or four years, right? And then by the time it was 2015, it was like maybe a couple days to a week. And then now it's like six hours and it's irrelevant, right? Um, and so the work that I did, the thesis was like, what if there was a person or like a collective that was tasked with archiving mimetic digital content in a physical context as fast it was as it was being created? And so I had basically the whole gallery to myself. I had like a graveyard of dead memes. So it was like literally AstroTurf and then a bunch of like tombs. And then I had a Harambe shrine that was about eight feet tall and there was like an Enya loop playing. And then there was a physical Tinder interface that had like three framed photos on the right and then a giant pile of people's faces printed out on the left. And then I had like the dat boy frog like popping out of the wall and like I had like real bricks and stuff. So it looked like he, yeah. So stuff like that, um, which I, that work was incredibly, no, it's well received uh, on in some instances, like people that understood like art as an institution were like, this is really thought provoking. It's creating really interesting conversations. And then you had people that are like less familiar with art and they're like putting memes in a gallery is art. I'm like, the fact that you're here talking about it makes it seem like it probably is though. Um, but ultimately that work, like installation heavy 3D work um, is just very difficult to do unless you, basically with art, you have to like fully commit to like being an artist and the only acceptable job within that community is being a art professor but if you try to like go corporate and then you're like i'm also an artist it's like you're not really committed to art so um i kind of put it on hold or just tabled it and then went the full corporate route and then i somehow fell back into it i think like it's several degrees of separation away from that now um but if I'm cooking on a few things that might try to like bring me back into that space. Can I ask a follow-up question to Jack? Yeah. I mean, that was really insightful what you just said there, but I'm curious to hear Jack's take on what an artist is because I feel like you have a lot of overlap in the same things that Soren just said there about the the kind of purist artist um, like idea, but then you also worked on creative stuff, but now clearly you have been artists all along, you know? So I'm, I'm just curious what you think about that. It's, I mean, it's a weird, everything Soren said resonates with me too. This idea of like, you either are or you aren't. And that's, I mean, it's a hard thing to qualify. And I don't even know if I, I don't even know if I agree with it, but I definitely feel it, if that makes sense. Like you, you, have obligations you want to make things that are not necessarily immediately commercially viable so that that's like in the art camp but i would also think this like the internet as a canvas changed a lot of that too it's like there's this inherent conversation happening from zero on the internet whereas maybe this like entrenched understanding of what art is is like 
you have to make this stuff and you have to get somebody to represent you and you have to get represented by this institution eventually. And that gives you credibility to go to the next inst institution and the next institution. And that's, we could get in a whole uh, long conversation about this idea of like the centralized version of art versus the decentralized version yeah. of art, right? Someone like Sorrow built a massive captive audience of people that want to see the next expression of an idea that he has. I would a hundred percent stand in a room and debate that that is art because like you have a captive audience that you are creating things from your imagination and that they appreciate. Um, but then you can take that same argument and go, when Soren's working on the square app, is that art? It's like, uh, <laughs> yeah, kind of, <laughs> you know, like you're creating, you're pulling something out of your brain to create something that enables yeah. something to happen, but maybe like the very direct, you know, functionality of that thing makes it not, uh, I've been using this line on podcasts recently where as a designer, you're trying to answer a question. And as an artist, you're trying to ask a question. So whatever mm -hmm. the output of the thing is like, if it falls more in one camp or the other, that's like a loose mental model for figuring, like sending money to your friend that like sold you a TV. That's a design exercise, right? Yeah. Making a piece of media that gets people to question their relationship with technology is an, uh, an artistic exercise. So yeah. this, this is all memes and, you know, this is all language and abstraction, but that's, how I've at least come to terms with what I'm doing in either scenario. I think part of it too is like you said, with answering versus asking a question, it's like output looks to the untrained eye, basically identical for my satirical work and my non-satirical work. Right. Right. But intent behind creation is like, I'm working, I'm trying to make something that is useful, solves a customer need, like, falls within a bunch of like compliance constraints and you know there's all these there's all these factors and then saying like what if you could preview your baby and uh, with yeah. ai on tinder <laughs> it's like one that's a joke and then two i think it's like yeah like when you i very intentionally did not provide any additional context on anything i shared because you would just watch people debate in the comments or people have told me they would just screenshot it and then be like talking with the people. And I'm like, that seems to be what like art does, or at least like comedy too. Like I, maybe I'm not an artist or I'm more of a comedian. I don't know. It's like Weird Al is a musician, but he satirizes songs. Right. And so yeah, I think yeah, there's yeah. like a little bit, but I would also consider him an artist. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I think that's a good, that's a good summary of the this asking versus answering. Yeah, and this is like a bad analogy too, but the Seinfeld observational comedy, you know, like the thing that every Seinfeld episode opens with, to me, there's some connection there between those things. Like you observe something in happening in the world and then you create this thing that pokes at that uh, absurdity of that event or that idea, but... All of this stuff, I think, ultimately is like the labeling of everything is unhelpful anyway. It's like yeah. you're making something that isn't that you're enjoying doing, people are enjoying consuming. And it seems like you found a, a great balance between those two things. And that's also like a, there's something to that separation that makes both 
parts of it sustainable too. Like you can kind of escape one thing to do the other and vice versa. Um, and you've been doing these every day, right? Every day for since January 3rd. Incredible, man. Nice. Yeah. And that, that I think, uh, if you could speak a little bit to how you get in the headspace or how that, how they pop up every day. Cause that's, yeah. uh, I've been in that mode and out of that mode. And once you're out of it, it's very hard to get back in it. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a chaotic headspace to be in. I'll, I'll say that much. Um, so I think like there are, there are times where like, so I was having a conversation with a friend this morning. I'm almost like a visual chat GPT to people I don't know now. So people will just send me like feature requests with no context. Right. So I like, I have no, I've like never met someone and they're like Uber hotbox option, blah, blah, blah. Like they just send me prompts, which is very strange. Um, but there's that. And there have been a few times where it's like, that is really good. Like, can I use that? And they're like, yeah, for sure. Um, and then I think when you're in that headspace, as you described, everything becomes idea fodder, um, where it's like, uh, when I was flying home, uh, we were, we had a layover in LAX and we were like running through the airport cause our flight was like, we were super close on making our next flight. And there were other people like running with us and they were being like very aggressive and like cutting people off and stuff. And I was like, what if you had to like fight people? And then like, that was the United <laughs> option to like fight someone. Um, or I'm trying to think of another like good example of this. Um, yeah, I think, I think it's like part of it is just like experiencing life events that puts you in the headspace. And then I think the other part of it is um, literally just brute forcing it where it's like, I'm going to make something I don't know what it's going to be. And usually you just like get through a couple of like not very good like versions and then you get to something that's all right. Um, and then I also have a few like friends that I use as like the litmus test where it's like, I'll text it to a couple of people that are like in product and like design that whole world. And then a few people that are outside of it. And the goal is ideally to get overlap on both, but you always got to get it on people that are outside of that sphere in my opinion because i think that means it's like more accessible um like i did a a nest uh spouse lock feature where it's like you can like make it so your spouse can't change the heat or the ac and <laughs> um someone dm'd me and they're like my mom saw this on my coffee like, that in your book and they like bought a copy because they thought that was so funny right and it's like i think it's really easy in the tech world. Like when you're in it, you just think about like everyone, it's very much like a, it's like a hive mind and everyone thinks the exact same, but I'm trying to like pull myself out of that and more just think about the people that actually use a lot of the stuff that we're making, which a lot of those people aren't even familiar with like Ethereum as a concept. Right. So, um, trying to abstract a lot of that away. Um, I, love, I love how you said idea fodder. So I actually did have a follow-up question on that. Is like, yeah. how much of that is tied to the dopamine hits you get from going viral? Because what I mean by that is when you, obviously, I'm not saying that that's the purpose sure, of what you're doing, sure. but obviously when you launch something, you're like, okay, this is going to do numbers. And like, like yeah. when you mentioned earlier, it's like, oh, a thousand in the first so minutes, you know, this is going to go nuclear, right? Yeah. It's like, but uh, 
there does seem to be, I, I say this from my personal perspective is like, I know when you mentioned idea fodder, it just hit me totally because when I started getting a lot more into Twitter, literally everything became content because for me initially, I'm like, oh, dude, I think this could go viral, right? It's like, it's kind of sick, but I don't know if that's how you think about it at yeah. all. I think, I think it's like jokes and if they resonate well, then the joke will likely be more well received by more people. I think, however, I have kind of told myself from the, like I had a couple that went like, like wildly viral and I was like, not everything's going to be like this. That's totally fine. Like if I think it's funny or if like friends think it's funny, that's enough for me. And an example is like, I did a pager duty concept, which PagerDuty is a tool for developers to get notified if there's like an on-call request and they need to fix something. Uh, and I made like a PagerDuty notification that if you don't respond in 15 minutes, it'll call your girlfriend. Um, and like my developer friends were like, that's amazing. And then a lot of people were like, what is this? Um, or <laughs> I had a, a phase early on where every Monday I would make like riffs on Mike's Hard Lemonade concepts. Um, so I had like... Mike's Hard Shell Tacos, Mike's Hard Rock Cafe, <laughs> um, Mike's Hard Hat, Mike's Hard Boiled Eggs. But it got like, I thought it was the funniest thing ever. Like me and a few of my friends were like, this is hilarious. But it got to the point like 12 weeks in where people were DMing me and they're like, please stop doing this. <laughs> so I think like I, for it to be sustainable, like I need to be having fun with it. And so I think initially I was really like hooked on like, oh my gosh, how many people are like this? Like how many people? And then you pretty quickly realize that that's not sustainable and you kind of have to just like separate and like focus on execution. And it's like, I don't have enough time in a day to be constantly like looking at that stuff. So, um, but yeah, it's definitely, I think it's like a rite of passage. Like I'm sure Jack and you and Bob have all uh, experienced this where it's like this inflection point where you go from like, I'm a small account that has like a, few hundred people or a few thousand people and then all of a sudden it goes like it's like gas on a fire it starts going up really fast um and it's like it's a fun wild ride but i think you know you ride it up and then you just kind of like readjust and get used to it it's a weird thing to get used to but you do get used to it no i agree i think huberman actually andrew huberman talks about this in a lot of his episodes it's like social feedback that dopamine you get from social feedback it actually, the, the diminishing returns is faster with that than almost any other type of dopamine hit. Like oh, caffeine continually, like every morning I have caffeine, it, it's, I still want it the next day. It feels good, right? Exactly. You got that fresh Red Bull there. I love me some RB. <laughs> Jazz got that Kirkland. Ooh. And uh, <laughs> the social actually is uh, because it is such, I mean, literally it's just tied to number, right? It's like it, the yeah. total hedonistic treadmill is like, you start going, oh, what I need, what I need this to hit one thousand, and I'm like, I'm gonna need to hit ten thousand. But that, that actually just legit just diminishes. Whereas you go for runs, you do caffeine, these other activities which boost your dopamine, they do not diminish as much as social. So I'm totally on board with you on. Not only do you get used to it, it really doesn't even like it's just not even a thing. Like, and how you said is like you don't want your audience to dictate what you want to do, right? Yeah. Yeah, I think I think you don't want your audience to dictate what you want to do. I think um, my audience definitely expects something pretty specific from me. Now I've definitely niched myself down. I don't like thought about that. Or it's like, what if I just like stop? What would happen? Um, I think there's this idea that everyone is the main character in their own story, right? And so it's like this huge deal if like any 
one of us decided to just like stop but like the world would keep turning and like within a month or a couple weeks like it'd be like people would have forgotten about it which like is kind of comforting in a way where it's like it's a big deal but it's also not a big deal at all um so I think like having that having that perspective and like not taking yourself too seriously is part of what has kept me sane and kept me like able to do it for as long as I've been doing it right yeah Soren I think related to that we talked just before the show about some of the things we might touch on and we kind of just touched on it there about doing this daily and Mm -hmm. I think in your Twitter bio it literally says new ideas daily which I'm just curious like how long that's been going on but before Twitter even just is that just something you've practiced for a long time and kind of second part to that is you talked about the kind of merit of doing stuff daily or like these hundred day projects, which I've seen quite a lot of, uh, a few other friends have done like a challenge to themselves, like whether it's posting online, creating a TikTok video, going to the gym, whatever else it is. I'm just curious, like why, have there been other ones that you've done related to this? Yeah, yeah. So I I had a professor in college where we had to do a hundred day project and then we had to make a zine about it. And I made the mistake of deciding that I was going to try to eat at a different place and document it every day for a hundred days. And so by the end, it was like me eating at different gas, eating at different like gas stations. It was so janky, <laughs> but like super fun. Um, but, and like, I kind of went insane through that project, but like other people were like, I'm going to design one thing. I'm like, it was very, it was like very tame. And then I was like, I'm just going to like go to a hundred and like see if we can sustain it. Um, I think with 100 day projects it's i think it's like a couple weeks to a month to like really form a new habit but i think if you form that habit over the first month and then continue executing on it for like two more months it's it's like it becomes like breathing in a lot of ways like the first couple months of doing what i'm doing now is like really really hectic and like really chaotic and now it's like oh okay i need to like make something for tomorrow and they're like spend like 15 minutes like get it figured out um and i think whether you like however you set up your accountability matrix like however you set up your accountability for that is up to you i decided to just like post every day i think like having some verifiable like proof that you did do it is like this is what i think why part of why duolingo is so successful right because you like want to keep that streak going um but i think there's merit to it for any number of reasons, like for physical fitness, obviously it's great. I think for like learning something new, it's great. I think for experimenting with something new and validating, validating whether or not it's like a good idea. Um, a hundred, a hundred days is not an inconsequential time amount of time, but it's also enough that you could do three of them in one year. Right. So if you wanted to test out, like, three different content formats or you wanted to test out like three different marketing strategies or three different businesses or three different like types of working out. Um, it's a framework that's like worked for me. Um, and yeah, I've, I've seen it work, work for other people too, but I think like I, it's like longer than just forming the habit, which I think is really helpful. Cause it's like you, you, you get, you get the behavior to be like a normal part of your routine. But then I also think, you start to see the rewards of that behavior because things compound. And I think like the first, you know, month or so of compounding is like pretty insignificant, but then 
couple months in, you're like, whoa, okay, this is like really taken off. Um, ideally. And if not, you can just can it and try something else. Somebody in this chat made have made a graphic about that called this is pointless. I, I don't <laughs> yeah. know if uh, I don't know if the listeners are familiar with that that graph. But actually, well, you know so what's I, yeah, I think there's ahead, something Jack. really like the interesting overlap too, is it's like adjacent to what you're doing every day professionally, mm-hmm. but it's also a way to sort of unshackle yourself from the uh, requirements of that uh, situation too, which I think a lot of people that kind of crack that balance is not, you're not doing a complete content context switch, you know, to like, you're not working on computers all day and then like knitting or, you know, weaving baskets or something like using your, your very highly developed skill in a slightly different context Mm, that gives you this massive return because you put it, you know, can put it out on the internet and anybody can look at it. That to me is a, yeah, that's like the, it's a massive cheat code and the, the just design as a practice, even if nobody looked at that stuff, on the internet for a hundred days, you would have this body of work that you could take to a job interview or share with somebody one-on-one. And you have just these, all these reps that made you a better designer. And I think like that, like cross communication between the passion project or the thing that you're doing outside of your work time in inverted commas, um, benefiting what you do for work, like even the technical things that you're learning to pour over the different styles from this app to that app to this, like makes you more competent outside of that context too, which I think that feedback loop is another thing that, and this may not be true for you, Soren, but that definitely was the case for me. It was like, you know, even if this doesn't resonate at the scale, I'm hoping it does. I'm still sharpening my skills to use, you know, nine to five or whenever it was I was working. Yeah. Well, I think it's like, I, I really know now how to present things in a context where you're getting only the absolutely required information and mm-hmm. like getting it in the simplest way possible. So a lot of it's like, if you try to present something in a way that will resonate with people for a couple hundred days, like ideally you're going to get a little bit better at it. And at the very worst, like you're at least going to get better technical chops, right? Like you learn keyboard shortcuts, you learn like presentation, you learn framing. Like, yeah. I think um the idea of my career has like all of these ingredients and i took like one ingredient which is like what if this was funny and you drop it in like i think thinking about passion projects side projects in that sense where it's like you don't need it to be this like massive shift or it's like oh i'm gonna go become a professional basket weaver it's like if you if you enjoy what you do for work somewhat or if there's a component of what you enjoy doing for work identify the components that you don't like and try to remove those or if you can't identify things that you do like and see if you can basically insert them right so it's yeah. like i'm a big comedy fan outside of all of this and so it's like what if i just like did that in this instance um and then you just pull the thread I think, yeah, there's an an, uh, even like the thing that's even more interesting to me about this is the like comedy or a joke, like making someone laugh is basically the ultimate epiphany. It's like the, the, the recognition of truth. It's like 
incredible transference of energy when you've created something that just like instantly makes someone laugh. And you've like, that is the, the pinnacle of communication, probably, you know, like I'm trying to think of a better vehicle for the amount of energy that's transferred. It's like humor is, you know, Trung's career, for example, is like rocketed off that too, is yeah, there's something really like fundamentally true about somebody laughing at something you made. Like you, there's no, you don't have to debate it. You don't have to like explain it. It's funny or it isn't. And you get yeah. that Scott, dude, Scott Adams has a, I got, Scott Adams has something in the Dilbert comic, obviously a little bit controversial for various things he said in the past, but he has something exactly like you said. He's like the purest and hardest thing to do. Obviously he's a, he's a comic. He's a draws comics, right? Or Drew Dilbert for two decades. He said, the hardest thing to do when you're creating content is to get somebody to physically do something. So if they're, they're turtling laughing, that's a physical manifestation of this way you're describing, right? The energy transfers. And he also says, if they write back to you, so if somebody takes the time to write an email or response, that is like, yeah, physically you're getting somebody to do something. So like, like you get them in like Soren, when you get all those replies, in your tweets uh, on the satirical app things, that's like that's the physical manifestation of oh you made somebody like I have to put out their thumbs and like type something into this box right so uh, I I when you're saying that I just I just remember uh, Scott Adams talking about it all the time like oh yeah yeah it's a great measure man. yeah great measure. and I think like funny business leads to serious business where it's like if if um if to Jack's point, the lot like the best way to like transfer one of the strongest like energy transfers or whatever between people is like making someone laugh. I think it's all also one of the fastest ways to remove like social barriers. So it's like, oh, this person like makes me laugh. Like, yeah, I'll, you know, like it, it makes it very easy to have informal conversations. Um, and so that's I think that's one of the very surprising side effects is like one i was surprised that the growth was as much as it is but also it basically like took down all barriers to like oh i want to dm this person like i can oh this person followed me i didn't realize that right like um it just opens up a lot of doors and all i was doing was like basically acting like a i, I became i became like a comic strip writer in a very non-traditional sense and they're like, I didn't add permissionless apprentice. Well, that's a great point, like dude. No, it's right. not nauseous, man. It's 2023. Like, this is the medium, right? Like, you, you're yeah. you're doing what Dilbert or uh, Bill Watterson for Kelvin and Hobbes did two decades ago. Or uh, yeah. you know, who, who did Garfield? Jim Davis. Anyway, the same idea, right? Yeah, well, Jim it, Davis. It, it kind of uh, reminds me of the midwit curve, too, you know? Like, on those oh, ends, yeah. you have, like, that's funny. And then in the middle, you have someone, like, <laughs> explain the joke to me. Why is this funny? It doesn't yeah. make sense. Actually, this, this, this. It's like you're having the worst experience yeah. of the world in the middle, basically. Yeah, that's that's pretty accurate for the replies because some people are like, lol. And then yeah. you, know, you yeah. have other people that are like, this isn't useful. Well, actually, all the midwit curves. This that's, is illegal. That's all, that's, all, that's all LinkedIn replies. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, post the same, I post the same stuff on LinkedIn and it's a, it's a fun time. Yeah, oh man. Dude, you, if you wrote about the LinkedIn versus Twitter, that would be an incredible piece of like uh, archaeological co content. Well, have you made these things brains. for LinkedIn too? Because that could be even a, another way of doing it.
Yeah, oh, I he did. did like, well, he did a cringe I did one. A, I did a LinkedIn cringe reaction, and then I did a LinkedIn uh, instead of the hiring tag, it's firing. And then Fuck. I did a LinkedIn um, nepotism disclosure. Oh, so nice. it's like another character versus salary. I saw salary as well. That <laughs> yeah, was good. Said, yeah. Well, there was like an option to like discount apply where it's like, oh, all these people have applied. It's like, oh, increase your odds of getting the job by applying at like a 20% discount. Oh my, this class, man. Wait, you never run of, out of material as well. That's the, like, it's unreal. It's so we talk like, we've talked about media businesses a bunch of times on here. And this idea of a media or like a commentary angle on culture being the most sustainable form of media, like Barstool sports, for example, never, yeah. ever, ever runs out of material because there's 50 games happening every single day. And every player in well, not every player, but a player is doing something ridiculous multiple times a day. There's always something to talk about. Well, like, yes, yesterday, the New York Post shared that a Delta flight was forced into an emergency landing by passengers' di diarrhea. Um, and then in quotes, this is a biohazard. So I was like, all right, I know what we're Contact. cooking up this week. Right? <laughs> so Wait, yeah, so every... can you talk through your 100 days? Actually, I had to pin because I didn't want to lose it. Was uh, You said that the first 30 days were a bit chaotic for this yeah. So okay, what what do you mean? Okay, I know you mentioned that you're creating uh, like guess, digital artifacts all the way through, but like, what what made it chaotic? So one, it was the reaction was like way more intense than I thought it would be. Right, I like one of the first things I posted had like thirty or forty thousand likes, and then I was getting like a couple thousand followers a day, and I was like, what is going on? Um, and then on top of that. I now have this giant Figma file that has all of these past concepts, right? When I started, there was nothing. So I was like, okay, how do I make one of these? And I hadn't, I hadn't figured out like what the templates were. So like early on, I sometimes do like two screens where it's like one screen to set up the like context and then almost like the punchline, but also the actions are in the second screen. I had never done that format. So I was like, maybe I experimented with that format. And then there's like device framing. So like sometimes the it's the top of the device, other times it's the bottom, other times it's centered. So there were a lot of questions around presentation format that I was like going through as I was kind of building out this system. Um, and then, yeah, the, the like before I understood that you can just like ignore replies, I was like, oh man, this is like really overwhelming. Um, and then also, yeah, I think, like I hadn't trained the muscle yet of like everything is an opportunity to like satirize the interface. Right. <laughs> um, it's like a weird way to like train your brain. Um, I think I've gotten to that point now, but, but up until well, that first month specifically, it was just like really like working to try and make sure that I was like getting something out every day and that it was like good. Um, but yeah. And then also the, there was like the, the, see the fact check from Reuters and stuff like that, where it's like, you know, there's just like no playbook and you're like, is this, and then you're like, oh, it's satire. It's protected by the first amendment. So it's yeah. Just like going, going, going through a lot of these like very strange experiences that I'm like, there's no person that I can be like, Hey, what happens when this happens? Yeah, man. I think like, this is uh packing the simulation. They call it. I think yeah. this idea of like, you found this very particular 
voice and format for commenting on what's happening in the world. We love to see it. Incredible. I know, uh, no, no, that's right. We can go for a five more minutes or so. All right. But yeah, Tranga, you got any I'd other like questions? I want to pepper Soren some more serious, some more serious business. We talked oh, about boy. the funny. Can we can we talk in a couple minutes on the serious stuff? You mentioned a bit about Duolingo and the streaks feature. Could you just give us kind of like the hall of fame off top of your head right now? Some of the best app features. You're an app designer, you can cash out. What are some stuff that you're like, oh, that's good? Like Whoever did that, respect. Like, what are some of the Hall of Fame app features ever yeah. created, whether that's virality or engagement? So I think there's like, a, I mean, this is like a several hour conversation if it's properly done. I think there's like, who are some people that are building interesting apps right now? And there's uh, Benji, I think it's Benji Taylor, who's building Family, which is a crypto wallet. Um, the interaction, the level of care and attention to the interaction design is like second to none. It's super good. Um, they used to have an app called honk, which was basically real-time DMS between two people and the chat bubbles would like scale, um, that uh, just great, great design and pretty thoughtful, like rollout too. Um, I think to the Duolingo point, and this is like not answering your question, but this is kind of like a tangent that I think is important and interesting. Um, Duolingo has the bird, right? Duo. And if you look like 10 years ago, that bird was like really creepy looking, but, uh, look it up on your own time. It was wild. Um, and then now it's this like cute little character that guides you through the whole experience. And I think they've kind of mastered all of the feedback loops that you need to like get someone to go through their first lesson and then like commit to doing another lesson. And then they give you like a free taste of the premium product. Like it's very it's very thoughtfully designed and I think they are, they have the luxury of being in a great market. It's actually a good thing to sell. Like it's very harmless to like sell people on learning a new language. Right. I think if those patterns are pulled into other applications, it could get pretty weird and pretty dark. Um, <laughs> but something that I think is interesting about Duolingo. So they have that bird, right. And then Pokemon, which is Nintendo's IP. Pokemon Go was obviously a huge success, but then they had this sleep app that was also Pokemon, right? And that also blew up. And I think we're at the early stages of existing media companies with massive IP being able to insert their IP as almost like the Duolingo bird where it's like, oh, a running app where Sonic the Hedgehog can like train you, right? Like Sega could build that. So I think like Duo took 10 years to build up this like moat of IP. Um, but I could almost see that happening from like existing entrenched players if they're able to get the tech right. Just random thought, uh, John Palmer, it's his weird little guy thesis that every successful app has a weird little guy. If you understand oh, this. Can you, can you talk through this? Uh, this is... <laughs> It's a tweet. So, so John Palmer runs Party Dow, um, but he tweeted like a few months ago, like successful products have a weird little guy. If you understand this, and then like, Dueling is a great example of that. I don't think it's like a Clippy uh, Mailchimp. No, I was just thinking of Clippy from back in the day. Yeah, <laughs> Mailchimp has their chimp. So I don't think you. It's like not like a necessary thing per se, right? But I think like the more complex a product and the more that a product has like an ongoing journey that you're needing to like learn. I think there are opportunities for things like that. 
Um, like the white labeling of uh, features underneath yeah. different IP, right? This is like AI era stuff too, where I want to hear a bedtime story in this voice, or I want to like my app yeah. to be skinned in Snoop this. Dog. Yeah, when you're exactly, sleep. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> it does feel like that though like especially man having kids you, you really start to understand like how how much attachment there can be to ip that basically if you put it over the top of something you're trying to get somebody to do brush your teeth with this you know beige toothbrush no i'm not going to do that stick an elmo on it or something you're in business yeah. <laughs> You're in dude i love that well hold on that's so sorry there's a couple more threads i want to pull on this because i don't i don't once we got you i don't want to listen on so like the tinder swipe one of the greatest app like you know interactions interactions ever right what else is on that level to you like what that type of uh that type of interaction with an app yeah i mean i'm trying to think let me let me, let me open up my phone look at some stuff i think uh So you're actually like, are you asking like pure interaction design or are you asking like features? Uh, anything of that nature where just like, cause it's, obviously the swipe is so ingrained with Tinder. Right. And it was such yeah. a genius Vertic interaction. Jack, are you yeah. saying the vertical swipe? I was saying vertical scroll, you know, I was going to open, I was going yeah. to say like infinite feed, insane. Like, which is, That's that, was, mad, isn't that, it? that is insane. And then TikTok <laughs> doing infinite Jack, feed Jack. basically. <laughs> Well, that's like a biblical, no, that's it, like a BC, you know, what they call yeah. it, AD, BC. After, yeah. Yeah, 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 no, that's a Yo, big Rafa, difference. Rafa, you got to cut Jack's face when he, <laughs> yeah, it was, infinite he was scroll. Like, he was like, like, orgasmic. He was like, man, yeah, yeah. well, then you did infinite scroll, dude. It's like crawling out of the fucking water, the slug thing, you know? <laughs> for, for, for real, though. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I think, like, TikTok is insane because they one had like a algo that would get trained on your interactions and all you would do is swipe and it was like the first social app where you didn't need to follow anyone to have a good time but you could also follow people and have a good time like wild um and then what the same about tinder to be fair but i mean uh, <laughs> that was a long time ago <laughs> but no yeah, yeah tiktok is uh, tiktok takes takes the cake here man definitely Thinking what else there is. Soren's scrolling. His no, phone. my notifications yeah. is obviously the I mean, big Cash one. Cash App was. Oh, I was going to say Cash App's got got to take a few few crowns along the way. One, the yeah. tag. The yeah, cash cash cash, cash tag. Um, being able to, I mean, just being able to simply transfer funds, right? And then um, they now have Bitcoin and stock trading too, right? And I think like the if you look at like a e-trade or like a schwab right like those those views are like very cumbersome and dense and then like you've got these very simple easy to parse like like charting on cash um and then yeah the, the idea of like a cash tag is really interesting because it's like a separate identity layer that obviously is like a hashtag but works in a completely different context um trying to think if there's anything else off the dome um i think in terms of like interaction patterns that well actually i guess this is like way 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 back but online offline just like little circles like green dot versus not that's green big. dot mm, yeah, i think like i think it's wild that that came about and i think also 
wild the contexts that we use that in like if you had gone back to like first aim and be like one day when you shine in for work you're going to be able to see if all of your coworkers are online or not Insane, right like man. um <laughs> i worked at bloomberg and you had a timestamp of when you entered the building on your <laughs> online thing if you're in or out of the building crazy i was wow. going to say we referenced this already but the typing bubble too that's a crazy one yeah. well yeah, no the yeah. typing typing bubble is crazy i think on slack it says who is typing which i think is like I remember my first job. It's like you see the boss typing, and you're like, "Oh, yeah, starts, stops, starts, stops." Or you'll see like one person starts typing, and it's like this person and this person are typing, and then all of a sudden it's like a lot of people are typing. And you're like, "Oh god!" Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So all that stuff. Um, I think like I think it's it's less about like what like what specific like interaction. I think it's more just like these tiny pieces of information that are revealed read receipts insane yeah, concept so i was literally green about bubble the same. versus blue bubble yeah. when i met yeah. green. dude that is a, green you just said blue. signaling or like what it yeah. represents that's another big that's one. literally worth probably 100 billion dollars apple like the switching cost of that if you were to do a back of the envelope on how much the green versus blue bubble is i think somebody did it. it's like this is worth 100 billion dollars to uh to uh to apple and i message like this social network it's yeah. insane, man. But this is why you get so much uh, good stuff out of the iMessage screen, bro. Yeah, there's a lot of work yeah. out there. Amazing. All right, any last question, boys? This has been amazing, man. Thanks for breaking the yeah, for us. Well, well, great pod. I think we, I think we have to get Soren back on for. You remember when you said this would be like an hour's worth conversation of like we should just go through. Here are the twenty greatest like internet yeah. interactions ever. That's an episode right there. That's dude. a great shout. Yeah, I think I think you'd also go pretty deep on like meme history, but that'd probably just be fun unless you that'd be a killer episode. Yeah. That'd be a killer episode. Definitely. Soren, anywhere we want to send people, dude. I know you got your book. This is your chance to plug it here, mate. Yeah, yeah. So first of all, I'm on X, formerly known as Twitter. Um <laughs> and then also if that's not your style, I'm on uh, Instagram and LinkedIn. And it's gonna be the same content, just different reactions. So don't expect a bunch of new stuff. Um, and then, yeah, I, I have a book called Can You Imagine? It is the first 100 concepts and then 10 exclusive concepts to the book. And then there's like an intro section, like a write-up on each one. So, yeah, uh, get it for your coffee table or for a loved one's coffee table. Holidays are around the corner. It's a great gift. Um, so, yeah. You can find that just on my X bio. Um, it's like, there's like a link in the bio. Where you yeah, we'll link it, it yeah. in the bio, in the show notes as well. So people can go check you that out. You can't miss directly. it. It's the cleanest mustache profile picture on the entire yeah, platform. Yeah. I just like, exactly. it's just unbelievably well-maintained and just like. Beautiful. <laughs> Two years in the making. There you go. Anyway, thanks for coming on, Sarah. We appreciate you, man. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome, amazing man. work, dude. Thank it's, you. It's Thank incredible. you, listeners. Yeah, Good chat. Insane. All right. Cheers, boys. Later. Thank you.